Now, as we get started, um, I want to give it just a couple quick, uh, highlight a couple quick things before we dive in to the message. I know there's a couple big games going on today, um, but I want to talk about the, the bigger game of life because today is uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. And the reality of everything that goes on in our world and so much, and this isn't just a, a statement about something, but this last week got the tour with Brian and a few others, uh, the Hands of Hope Clinic that just opened uh, here in Tucson in another area of town, kind of midtown around TMC, and just was blown away uh, by the reality of last year, 211 kids are on this planet and functioning in life that wouldn't have been. Uh, and that's incredible to see that, and it's worth celebrating. And we are, we are proud to pray with and to stand with uh, Hands of Hope, and I just want to encourage you to pray for them this year. They are, this new clinic is literally steps from a Planned Parenthood. And so I'm just praying that God will redirect some stories uh, this year, that he'll change some steps and trajectory of people's walk that will literally change their life and maybe change other people who foster and who adopt and all the ramifications and, and implications of what that is. And we also remember that it's Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. And we remember him, an amazing man, but also just so many men and women throughout history who have stood for civil rights. And just as a church, we want to make it really, really clear um, our world still has a long way to go, but each one of us get to play a part in helping that move forward. So I want to encourage you that with the heart of God, uh, that you would live with love and dignity for each and every single person. And uh, we get to champion that as Jesus' church. And so that's kind of our role, to live for those who can't, don't have a voice and to speak up for those who need uh, maybe a voice and for things to change and to keep getting better. So I just wanted to direct our attention to that for a couple different things as we get ready to dive into this message. And so if you have your phone, I want to encourage you, if you have the app, you can open up the app and follow along on sermon notes because there's a couple things in there I put in for you that might help you this week with the challenge that we're going to go into. We started this series called Whispers last week, looking at how do we tune in to hear from God because we want to be people who do that. And it really hit me a few weeks ago as sitting studying for this series, and I just want you to hear what I heard, Okay. Because I think you may resonate with it. So, Hannah, do we have that? Are you ready? 30 seconds. This is what I heard. For some of you, you're like, man, 30 seconds is that long? How many of you might identify with the reality that that may be the soundtrack of your life? Because um, that's what hit me, is realizing I, I love to study at Starbucks. I love to be around people um, because I want to preach to people, not just, uh, and, and so it kind of helps me. And, and a lot of it's white noise and can tune it out, and you do too. But the reality in that moment, it was like, man, this place is really loud. And that's just from my phone, like in the corner. Um, 
and I, I didn't even realize, but here's what we begin to, to, to notice in our own lives, my life too. We live in a, a world that's saturated with sound. And for a lot of us, that is the soundtrack of our life. And so much going on, and I know different seasons of life for people, and it's easy to let the commotion get the best of us. And we live like we're always in motion and always surrounded and saturated by commotion, and it can almost begin to drown out the one voice we long to hear the most. And as we talk about this idea of how do we tune in to hear from God, that's kind of where I want to go tonight, is to push us, myself, uh, into maybe some rhythms that will help us position ourselves to maybe hear God better, maybe turning down the noise of life in order to turn up the voice of God. And we all have to wrestle with that in different ways because each of us is at a different season of life and in different capacities. If you're a mom at home with four kids, uh, it's a challenge. It just is. And there's no shortcuts to that, but you can be deliberate and intentional in other ways. For some of you, maybe you're retired. And this idea of commotion and noise, well, it's actually quieted down quite a bit. But even in the midst of the quiet, we can miss the voice of God because we have to pay attention. Remember, we said that. To pay attention has a cost to it. Anything involving pay has a cost to it. But most of us, I think, want to lean in and to hear from God, to, to really pay attention to what's going on and how we hear from him. We long to put ourselves in the right position or proximity to be able to tune in to his voice. We said this last week is kind of the takeaway. God speaks clearly to those who are mulling over his word consistently. That more often than not, the predominant way that God will nudge your heart is through his word, the Bible, and through the word, Jesus, his life. And so as you put your mind, and maybe we challenged one another to, to get in some reading plans this year, uh, to maybe look at you version and, and to say, I want to I tackle some reading plans. We said in June and July, we're going to do a summer in the Psalms, and we're going to challenge each of, of us to read through Psalms in June and July. And so that's coming. So just so you know, you're not surprised, um, but maybe there's some reading plans that you can do ahead of time, that God has an outside voice, and sometimes he uses it, but more often than not, he longs to whisper, and so we have to lean in to hear that. We talked about the act of hearing and kind of looking at the, the vibrations of sound. Do you know that the vibrations of sound are measured in what? Decibels, Right? the ability to hear, the, the volume level of those decibels. On one end of the sound spectrum, the sperm whale is the loudest animal on earth. Clicking noises of his echolocate can hit 200 decibels. Researchers have thought and found out that songs that whales sing, and I just think that's cool that whales sing, they believe that songs can actually uh, travel some 10,000 miles underwater. Isn't that crazy? That that can happen. Uh, and next, you kind of come down a little bit, jet engines. Anyone know how loud they are? 150 decibels, usually. Doug, you would know that. 150 decibels. That's why people have got to wear uh, air horns, 129 decibels. Thunder, anyone know? 120 decibels. Jackhammers, even 100, okay? On the other end of the spectrum, a whisper. How many? 15 to 30 depending on how much breath you put into it. So we see the dichotomy of this. Here's just some other fun facts about sound. Sound travels at a speed of around 767 miles per hour. 
There's no sound in space. Sound cannot travel through space since there's no molecules for it to travel upon. How many of you have dogs? How many of you notice your dogs can hear things before you do, right? They can hear high frequencies. They're able to, to see that. They're able to hear that. Flies cannot hear at all. Did you know that? Like, why can't I kill them then? Just, they have so many eyeballs. Just, <laughs> um, the majority, this is fun, majority of cows who listen to music while producing milk actually produce more milk than those who don't. So if you happen to have a cow at home, play some, some music. So your sense of hearing is one of the earliest senses to get fully developed in, uh, in utero. That three weeks in, your inner ear is beginning to develop. And by 16 weeks, you can hear in the womb. By the 25th week, babies can recognize and respond to their family's voices, and at birth, it's fully ready to go, unlike your eyesight that's still developing at birth. So the ability to hear is an amazing reality and gift that we have. So on one end, we can hear these things, but the other beauty and kind of remarkable ability of our ear is just the ability to tune out. How many of you tune me out? <laughs> just kidding. Uh, the ability to tune out things, but also the ability to tune into things. Why? Because you have this split-second uh, delay between what hits the outer ear and what makes its way into the inner ear. There's like this slight delay. That's why Jesus used the phrase we talked about last week. He who has ears, let them hear. Why? Because you're actually hearing a second time when you're beginning to take it in and actually think about it. So it reminds me of the story of Samuel. I don't know if you know much about Samuel from the Old Testament. Samuel chapter 3 is kind of where we're going. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go there. But you know, Hannah was praying for, uh, to have, and to have a, a son and wasn't able to and wasn't able to. And year after year, they would do this annual trip to Jerusalem and make the sacrifice and be a part of the Jewish tradition in that. And one day, she is in such anguish because she's actually being bullied by other people who are teasing her for not being able to have a son. And she's in the temple and she's praying to God and Eli the priest comes alongside and so much sees her, thinks that she's actually drunk in the morning because she's in such anguish. And she says, I'm not in anguish, I'm actually praying. And he says, well, may God hear your prayer. A year later, she comes back and she promises God in that moment, God, if you'll give me a son, I will give him over into your service. And he does. And that's Samuel. And you begin to see Samuel and begin to follow his life. Samuel is a prophet of God and used by God for decades in the life of Israel. And all the way through King David and speaking into his life and, and used powerfully. But early on, uh, we see Samuel here in, in working with the priest. And he's there. He lives there. And his mother comes back every year to visit him, brings him robes. You can read all about it in First Samuel first, well, chapter 1 and 2. And then in chapter 3, we here's the words we begin to see. We look at this story. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. So Eli is the, the kind of the priest that's there. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Hmm. It's interesting. Meaning God's voice is not speaking very loudly, not giving a lot of prophecies, not interacting with his people tremendously. Listen, some days you don't interact with people, right? Some days there's a little bit of rebuff on your part. God is always speaking, but there are moments where he's a little more quiet. He's a little more silent. He's a little more hesitant to speak into those moments. And But we trust his sovereignty. You know this to be true. 
So it goes on. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Verse 4. Then the Lord called to Samuel, and Samuel answered him, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am. You called me. Eli said to him, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lied down. Again, the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. You called me. He says, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. Uh, how many of you are parents? Okay, so you understand how Eli is feeling in this moment. Okay. <clears throat> Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called to Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up, went into Eli and said, here I am. You called me. So probably like a frustrated kid, he's like, hey, you keep calling me. What's the deal? Then Eli realized the Lord was trying to get his attention. And he said a simple phrase that I think is an incredible principle for us to hold on to. And he says this, go back and lie down. If you hear the voice again, simply say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And this little boy, Samuel, does that. It's the beginning of his story. And when you track Samuel's story the whole way through the rest of the Old Testament, in through First and Second Samuel, in through First and Second Kings, and all through the life of ministry to David, God is always with Samuel, speaking into his life. But he had to learn it first. He didn't quite recognize it right out of the gate. He didn't quite hone into what was actually going on. And I think the same is true for us. Hearing God's voice and hearing his nudges deep within your heart, deep within what we said last week, your knower, deep within, is sometimes confusing and sometimes not easily recognized. Sometimes you can feel like I just have indigestion. And sometimes that's true. You probably do. That doesn't mean every time you have indigestion, God's speaking to you. It means you probably need a better diet. Okay? So, but there are times where you're gonna learn to hear God's voice. You're gonna learn to recognize and to lean in, to actually learn how to recognize and sense him nudging. To be open to the nudges of God deep within your heart. It takes time, it takes practice, and it takes patience to learn how to recognize God's voice and his nudges deep within your spirit. And there's no shortcuts to that. There's no way to microwave that. You want to be a person who learns to listen for them, to listen to, to see and be overwhelmed maybe by his majesty and by his beauty and by his character, to be caught off guard of his love and to experience that, to experience his wisdom and his guidance and insight in those moments when you're praying for that. He may not speak audibly to you like he did here to Samuel. Uh, I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. I've never heard God's audible voice. But I can't count the number of times where I've sensed the Spirit's leading and prodding and nudging within my heart, whether it was moments of where I experienced his mercy or his guidance, reminded of reassurance of his commitment to me, his encouragement, times of challenge and conviction where he was convicting my heart of, hey, you're going the wrong way and we need to try something different. There's been moments where you just sense his overwhelming love and leading and encouragement to the place of here's where you need to go or here's what you need to do or the choice is up to you. I remember that when I was trying to figure out if I was gonna go into ministry or to do something else and I just sensed God was saying, I'll bless you either way. 
I want you in ministry, but I'm going to bless you either way. And I just, I know that deep within. And I can't tell you hearing an audible voice. Now, can he do that? Most certainly. Has he done that? Sure. But will he do that? I don't know. I can't tell you that that's going to work. But we said this last week, remember, to what the role of the Holy Spirit is in our life. Jesus said this, but the advocate, the one who's an advocate for you, the Holy Spirit, when the Father sends him in my name, he will teach you and he will remind you of everything I've said. Meaning the Holy Spirit's role is to teach you about God that you might know him and know his will and know his heart better and better and deeper and deeper. That he would teach you that and remind you of the way Jesus lived and what he has to say about life. And so we want to be a people who lean into that. Here's kind of the takeaway that I had for today. Position yourself to have ready, available, and open ears to hear, just like Samuel. He didn't get it at first. He thought it was Eli. He kept going back. But when he was ready, he said it's a very simple prayer. And here's the invitation to you. Make this a prayer of your life. That every time you read the scripture, every time you just are in prayer with God, that you would simply say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening that you want to have open and ready and available ears to position yourself in a way that you'd be open to hearing God when he does speak, just like Samuel did. That's the principle. That you would be a person, you would be a person who deliberately, intentionally says that, does that, tries to put yourself in a ready position. Make this a prayer of your life. Crave silence in order to hear the whispers of God. You're not hanging out with whales, right? I'm not either. 200 decibels. If you're looking to hear from God, he has an outside voice, but he most often whispers, and it's low. His nudges are going to be subtle. They're going to be with you. And it's in those moments you want to learn to position yourself there. If you want to hear God, silence is key. If you want the Spirit of God to fill you, then be still. That's what the scriptures talk about so much. I love this quote from Billy Graham. Nothing can calm our souls more or better prepare us for life's challenges than time spent alone with God. Now, that is counter-cultural because we just played a soundtrack of your life a few seconds ago, right? We live in a world that is surrounded by noise, saturated with it. I know for some of you, you don't like silence. That's why you play a song from the moment you get up until the moment you go to bed. That's why the TV is on. You can't even be in the room with the TV with it off. You have to have it on. Why? Because you've got to have noise. You've got to have sound. And I know for some of you, I'm speaking your language. You're like, yeah, that's me. Do you hang out in my house? That's weird. That's creepy. No. Uh, but this reality is that may be you. Here's I think one of the bottom lines for today. Listening does not happen by default. It happens by design. It takes intentionality. It's intentional to tune out the sounds around you in order to tune in to the sound of the person that is speaking with you. It takes deliberate attention and to be attentive to the idea of saying, I'm going to silence those other voices. I'm going to let that be white noise. I'm going to actually listen to what you're saying. And that's a challenge. I know I have that challenge at times, even in the living room, right? And my wife is speaking to me, and there's other stuff going on, and I am not dialed in. Anyone ever found themselves in this position? 
especially when they turn and ask you, what did I say? And you're like, ugh. Why? Because I just tuned out. It's easy to tune out. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy, but it has to become deliberate. It has to, it, it's not a default reaction to just listen. You have to make a choice to make that intentional, to calm yourself and to pull yourself into. So here's the psalm I want to give you for this week, and I'm going to encourage you to practice that this week. It is Psalm 131. It is three verses long, okay? So if you're looking for Psalm 119, I'm not giving you that one. It's way too long. Psalm 131 simply says this, okay? My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. As a weaned child, no longer cries and frets and longs for his mother's milk, but lies still in his content. How many of you have ever seen a baby after they finished eating? Okay, that's the imagery. Like a weaned child, that is what you're wanting your heart condition, your soul condition to be, content in God's arms. I am not discontented with thoughts. I'm not running from fretful desires or looking to be satisfied by other things. I'm still and I'm rested. You think about a child who's been weaned um, from, from mom that it, when they're not, even if they hear mom's voice from another room or they see mom leave, there's just this fretfulness that goes on inside of them. It's natural. But when you've been weaned, it's okay and you realize your needs are going to be taken care of. The application is that when we are weaned from the world and we put our trust in God, we can call on God and wait confidently and patiently for him. When we are fretting and worried and anxious, the noise of our fears and the noise of the world can drown out the calming voice of the one we long to hear from the most. So it's learning, how do I turn down the noise of this world in order that I might turn up the voice of God? Psalm 131 is a great psalm. It is the best one to just simply memorize or to say, if you want to carve out space to say, I want to be still before God, this is a great psalm to say, God, I just want to hear from you. I want to settle in. I'm not concerned about things that are too mighty for me or things that are too big for me. I'm like right here. And for the next 30 minutes, next 15 minutes, next 10 minutes, I'm just here and I'm listening for you. I'm turning down the sound and the noise of this world. We want to be people who develop our spiritual attentive listening skills. We can all get better at listening. What'd I say? See, good job. We can all get better at listening. It takes intentionality. And you can learn this, especially if as, as a dating couple, you learn this real quick. I've got to pay better attention because this person's important. I've got to tune them in. I've got to listen up. I've got to turn up their voice. I've got to make sure I'm not missing something. And so you can get better at this. So here is two quick suggestions of how you can get better at raising your spiritual attentive listening skills. First one is this. During your reading time with Scripture, make sure to leave some space to listen. Don't read to get done. Most of us read everything to get done. 
read to reflect. Just create an extra five minutes. That's all it takes. Okay, I'm going to do my Bible reading plan for today, and I'm, I'm actually adding in five minutes just to sit with it. So I'm going to read to reflect, not just to get done and check it off. I'm going to read to reflect. God, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What do you have in here for me today? What is a principle? What's your heart? How, how do I see you differently? How do I get to know you deeper in what I'm reading right here? So you create space to read, to reflect. The second one is this. Um, set out some quiet space and time and rhythms in your life. Um, I'm deliberate with this. I'm not perfect at this, but I'm trying to be more and more deliberate the last four or five years with this idea of every week I try to carve out some space and time to be quiet and to listen and to be still. Every month I'm trying to carve out half a day or a full day where I can pull away and just be quiet and still and listen. Every year I try to take a weekend away or so that I can just be quiet and still and listen. I know your schedule may not allow for all of that, but whatever window you can find, create a new rhythm in your life that creates space to practice Psalm 131, to be quiet, to be still, to turn down the noise of this world in order to try to turn up the voice of God, that I might hear him, that I might know him. It takes intentionality. So here's the question I have for you today. Who has the loudest voice in your life? Who has the loudest voice in your life right now? Are there some voices that you are stuck listening to that you need to turn down? Are there some voices and commotion that are going on around you in your life that are whether family or friends or people or uh, news or TV or whatever it may be, your phone? Do you need to turn down some of that noise? in order to tune in and turn up the voice of God. Why? Because listening does not happen by default. It happens by design. It takes intentionality. It takes waiting patiently. It takes practicing this. Dallas Willard in in Hearing God says this, practicing solitude and silence are the most important spiritual disciplines for people today. Specifically pastors, he talks about. That We can be people who live saturated and surrounded by noise our entire life, 24-7, 365. And all of that noise can drown out the one voice that we long to hear from the most. So how can you build in time and rhythms and practices that you begin to, to turn down that noise in order to turn up the voice of God? The normal way to practice solitude and silence is to get alone with God. Perhaps you take a walk, and you go walk in nature, and you don't have your headphones in, and you just listen, and you're praying the time. Maybe you just sit in a quiet spot in a park, or maybe it's your backyard. Maybe you even have a secluded chair in your room. Uh, I remember reading of one lady who was a great spiritual leader who had seven kids, and uh, what she would do is she would take a blanket And she would go in the corner of the room and she would put the blanket over her head. And her kids knew when she was under the blanket that was mom time and you could not disturb mom. You you just do what you have to do in the moments and the seasons that you're in. The point of your time with solitude and silence is to do nothing. Don't try to make anything happen. Here's what Dallas writes. Solitude and silence we're learning to stop doing, 
to stop producing, to stop pleasing people, to stop entertaining yourself, to stop obsessing, stop worrying, stop doing anything except to simply be bare and real yourself before God that you might be found by him. Why? Because you're like a weaned child in that moment. It's not about entertainment. It's not about trying to do something or produce something or to be something more. It's just trying to be. God is my king. He's my heavenly father. And I just want to log some time with him. So solitude and silence in a world that's noisy is a challenge, friends. It is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. But if you long to want to hear from God, maybe you're in a season where you need to hear some direction from him, I'm telling you, there is nothing like getting out and finding solitude and being silent before him. So this week, here's your challenge. Intentionally, you're gonna carve out 15 to 30 minutes to just be still and silent and have solitude. Now, if you're parents and you have kids, then you're gonna have to cover for each other. That's how you do this. You cover for each other. Hey, I'm gonna take the kids and do this. You can have some space and time. And you practice this. You begin to pull out Psalm 133. You're gonna read through it two or three times. We're actually gonna practice this next week with a different passage. This ancient practice of Lectio Divina, where you're leaning in and letting the scripture speak to your heart and asking God to speak to you in those moments. So, but maybe it's just a short prayer time with him. Psalm 131, we recited a couple times. God, I just, here's all my stuff. Now I'm just gonna be quiet. And I'm just gonna listen. Now for some of you who are tactile learners or readers, this is why I had you get the app because I put a 15 minute silent exercise in there from YouTube. Okay, it's uh, Peter Scazzaro who wrote Emotionally Healthy Christianity uh, actually has a practice on there for 15 minutes that will lead you through some simple questions and it's 15 minutes long. And so if you don't feel like you trust yourself to actually practice this, then maybe do that, okay? This is deliberately saying, I'm gonna find some solitude. Why? Listening does not happen by default. It happens by design. It takes intentionality. We are responsible for getting ourselves quiet and still. Whatever happens next is up to God, okay? Are you gonna hear from God every single time? Probably not. Are you gonna be glad that you had some quiet time? Every single time. Will you hear from God sometimes? Yes, I promise you. If you practice this, you will. And God will either speak into your heart, he'll nudge you to say, hey, here's something that's been going on that I really wanna work on. I just want you to know how much I love you in a whole gamut of ways that God will speak into your heart. But this is about positioning yourself. So this week, carve out 15 to 30 minutes. Raise your right hand. I do solemnly swear that I will actually practice this. It is for your good, friend. I promise you, if you will make this a habit, you will benefit greatly from it. God longs to speak and whisper into your life. For some of us, we're moving at warp speed and it's hard to hear his voice when we just stop by for a chat. 
for some of us, the idea of sitting for 15 or 30 minutes is going to drive you absolutely crazy. Good. I hope it drives you crazy for the next three months while you try to practice it. Because four months from now, you're going to be at a different space where God will speak into your heart. And you will treasure that. And it will be a blessing to you. And I pray that for you. That you are blessed and encouraged and blown away by how God whispers into your life as you position yourself. Why? Because listening does not happen by default. It happens by design. It takes intentionality to do this. So turn down the noise of the world at times in order to turn up and to listen up to the voice of God. So Father, that's what I want to pray for, for each one of us here. I know this is challenging. I know it's not easy. I know we live with a full calendar, a lot of things going so many things that we try to entertain ourselves with, and that's not necessarily wrong. But Father, if, if that robs our attention from ever turning in your direction, it's stealing something from us. And so Father, I pray for each one gathered here, those who might watch online, that they would sense a, a direction from you, Holy Spirit, to say, I want this. That you would spur within their heart to say, I I want to get better at this. And in a world that's filled with noise, would you teach us the discipline of solitude and silence? That's where you speak best and most and most clearly. So I pray as we practice that, yet you would divinely interrupt our silence with your voice your voice of direction, healing, of hope, of love, of encouragement, of conviction, of challenge. Holy Spirit, we give you permission. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. As we take a moment to remember Jesus in communion, taking that juice and that bread to remember his life and his death and his resurrection, We use this moment to signal to you, God, that this week we want to practice this. This week we want to figure out a way to do it. So would you clear the calendar, clear the space and the time for it to happen, help us to be deliberate in it, and we invite you to speak into our hearts, to nudge us deep within our knower, that we might know you better, know what you have for us. As we worship you in song, I pray that these next few moments we would just linger in your presence, that you'd speak even now, deep within us, and we invite you to.